AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Aldis Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sparks, and today we continue with our ServiceNow series. We are lucky to host uh, Ryan Gillespie, uh, a leading technical mind in the ServiceNow ecosystem. He's kindly offered to walk us through his career, a little bit about the organization he works for, and he's really going to be touching on some topics, including advice to clients while implementing ServiceNow, um, some pre and post COVID themes, you know, his moves from asset management specialist through to sort of consulting lead, um, some overviews of why asset management are coming up in organizations. And also, um, you know, he's going to be hopefully giving us some uh, information about Acorio as well as an organization. Um, so Ryan, let's start by giving us a, an overview of who they're listening to. Currently, I, I'm a platform solutions consultant and a consulting manager with Acorio. Uh, we were the largest pure play ServiceNow partner um, in, the, in the ecosystem. We are now Acorio, an NTT data company. Um, so we are now part of NTT data, which is also exciting both for us um, and also for our clients as well to be able to tap into some, some potentially unknown um, opportunities that may be out there. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really excited to be part of, part of that. Um, a lot of my responsibility right now, I play the role of an architect, business analyst, business process consultant, technical consultant. Uh, it just kind of goes on and on and on. We're kind of a jack of all trades in our roles, but it, it's a lot of fun because of that. And with having this type of role, it allows us to really get in the weeds and partner with our clients. And and that that for me, I think is the most enjoyment is being able to get in there and dive in and see what people are doing and what they're trying to do and how we can best find service now to suit that for them. So awesome. So, so look, you know, you gave us a bit of an overview about um, Acorio and and I know that they are obviously you know, very well known in the ecosystem. But um, can you just give us a bit of a high level overview of, of I suppose, the, the the work that they're doing in the marketplace before we come on to probably talking more asset management? So, I mean, Acorio, like I said, we're, we're peer play service now. Um, so basically all of the work that we do is strictly service now. Obviously in the service now ecosystem, there, there's opportunities for things like integrations with other platforms and other systems. We obviously help implement some of that. But I think the key takeaway is, is just the fact that we are really just a strictly service now partner and consultancy. And I think that the standout thing for me is that partnership piece and that we really do partner and go side by side with our clients, with our customers and, and take them through this this journey that is service now. And I visited Boston. I was at the Acorio headquarters and I was on a call with one of my customers and I was trying to get them to kind of open up and relax a little bit. And finally, I said, you know, we're, we're your partner, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so let's let's take this back. Pretend I'm Aladdin and you're Princess Jasmine. Jump on my magic carpet ride. I will show you the world and <laughs> right. let's get on this magic carpet ride and let's go on this journey together. And it sunk in for some of the people that didn't quite know, you know, what we did as technical consultants, as far as like what we did and how we really worked with our clients sitting where I was amongst people in finance, let's say, obviously marketing has a great idea, but some of the other people that work, you know, internally and aren't customer and client facing, 
I think being there allowed them to kind of see more of what we do. And it's not that there aren't technical consultants there at headquarters or anything like that, but just where I happened to sit was like <laughs> in the midst, <laughs> you know, in the midst of all of that. And that's really, that's really the key is we want to collaborate. We want to partner. And that is like the biggest takeaway from all of that is if, if you're looking for a ServiceNow partner, I really feel like a Corio is the place for you. Having been a customer of ServiceNow and having had partners that I worked with that do like what Acoria does, I have yet to find anybody that I feel does it better than Acoria. That's one of the reasons why I joined Acoria is because of my experiences and meeting people from Acoria and seeing seeing that passion and just seeing how they want to work with people and how they want to help. And I, I think that's that's really rare to see that genuine feeling of partnership and that self-realization that, hey, we can really work together and do this thing. I think that's really cool. And it's it's in, and that passion definitely is coming across. And I, and I think, you know, like you said, that that partnership client first is something that definitely stood out <laughs> to me when me and you sort of first connected. Um, yeah. as, as, a, as a managing consultant or lead consultant at Corio, what, what are your kind of day-to-day responsibilities? How does that kind of wash out and what does your team look like? So currently I, ha- I have a team of three people. And, and it's really like, yeah, I'm I'm a quote unquote managing consultant, but you know, really, it's all about mentorship. And I, I think that's another kind of like key takeaway from Acoria is to like that's part of our culture. It's just collaboration and mentorship. You know, somebody who's new to Acoria is, is going to be able to collaborate and mentor somebody who's been at Acoria or been a service now developer or consultant, you know, for any number of years. And we all take that away and we all work together in that that regard. And so. My, my role is kind of helping people make sure they have what they need. And that might not just necessarily be like my, my team of three people, but that could also be like my clients or my customers. Um, so it's a lot, of, a lot of that, just making sure everybody has what they need and mentoring both my team and my customers and my clients. And that, that could be just, you know, helping somebody solution a problem or have, you know, just a second set of eyes. We call them rubber duck sessions. You know, okay. I'm stuck on this thing, you know, and just giving that second set of eyes. And it doesn't sound that exciting, but honestly, for me, it is exciting. It's it's a lot of fun to to look at it from that perspective. There's not a lot of like admin stuff that we do. A lot of it really is, even in even in my position, just all about collaboration. Nice. It's- yeah, and I love that. I love that about sort of mentoring your clients and your your team. It's awesome. And so, look, you know, yeah. you started your career in asset management. Um, let's say you've moved into probably more of a holistic um, role. But if we take a step back, you know, like so from our for our um, sort of non-service now listeners, you know, uh, you know, what are the sort of key unique selling points of, of of asset management? So how would you describe that? So asset management opens up so many gates. But you know, realistically, asset management is all about the, the things that you own or the people that you own, because people are assets to an organization as well. In the realms that I came from, it was IT asset management. So we cared about all the various equipment that that we owned. Uh, we wanted to know who, who it was assigned to, where it was located, and what the, stat, the state or the status was of that particular piece of equipment. And there's so much of it that is tied back to financial responsibilities to, to your organization, because you have things like fixed assets um, that you report off of, and you want to be able to keep that updated. And so that's kind of how I got my foray into this is that a lot of people think maybe inventory management, and that's pretty close to it, but it goes beyond that and goes into the financial aspects of an organization as well. The, the key thing is knowing, again, who, who has what, where it is, what it is, and what are the financial you know, risks, details about that particular device. And so when you're looking at asset management, and this is where ServiceNow, I think, is, 
is just a great tool and a great solution for asset management is, you know, you want to know like the warranty lifecycle of, of a particular device so that your executives can start to look at like, hey, we're getting ready to do PC refresh. How many devices do we have that we need to refresh this year? You know, if you have an asset management practice in place, it can help get you those answers and help you understand what the financial responsibility is going to be for replacing that equipment. And same thing if I just have a laptop that broke, right? A lot of that same information you get through an asset management practice. Um, all the policies, procedures, and all of the things kind of roll up and help you determine those various things. Got it. And, and you know, you touched on there, but, you know, so, so how and why is ServiceNow such a great product for clients? Overall, ServiceNow is great for organizations because it can scale to the size of your business and to the maturity of your business. And from an asset management perspective, you can you have built-in vendor management, you have built-in contract management, obviously asset management's a piece of that. When you look at asset management, you have both software and hardware assets, both of which you can track within ServiceNow. And what's great about that is that you can create things called catalog items, if, mm -hmm. if you're not familiar. And with those catalog items, you can allow people to go in and request an asset. And as part of that, you can build out workflows that say, hey, if I don't have a particular asset in this location, I can take a, a look at and see what other locations maybe have an asset that I need to have it shipped because it's obviously going to be cheaper to ship an asset than it would be to buy a brand new one, let's say, right? So there's there's a lot of things that are related to the data that you can put into ServiceNow that already inherently is pulling in for you and leveraging that data to automate some of that otherwise mundane and manual process that you might be doing, you know, with, that require a human hand. Obviously to ship something, you're gonna, it's gonna require you to put some some hands on it, you know. But a lot of that logic, you can build a lot of that in. It, but it's all based on your obviously your maturity, your process maturity, and it's also based on your data quality and your data maturity as well. But if you work towards that, you strive towards that. There, there's a lot of doors that open up for you just in the asset management space alone to automate a lot of your processes. Got it. And is there a reason that we're now starting to see? you know, asset management be sort of maybe at the front of mind for organizations at an enterprise level? You know, is there, is there, you know, is that a, is there a reason because of COVID or people in the remote world now, or is that just more of a, the, the, the platform itself evolving? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, some of it's COVID, but I think a lot of it too is, is that companies are trying to find where their wasteful spend is. And I know okay. that sounds really silly to point the finger at asset management, but I can tell you from experience that, there are far too many times where organizations decide just to purchase new equipment versus see what they have before just following a standard redeployment process. Interesting. Um, you know, I can't say that that's, you know, across the board, but I'd say that's that's why my thought is that it's a little bit of everything. Um, when we look at, you know, current COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, I think that looking at it from like remote work standpoint, it's beneficial to people to know where their equipment is so that you're reducing the amount of human interaction as possible. So if I have, if I know that I have 10 offices across just, let's say the state and all my employees work just in this state, I can look at and see where that hardware is at what location, but I can also see where my users are located and what maybe their home base is, or maybe maybe they you know used to work at a facility that was in let's say Northeast Ohio and they're actually and have been living in Southeast Ohio. So based on the data we have for that user in service now, just as an example, 
we could see that this this other location is closer for them and that we could schedule some sort of pickup for them or you know for that matter we could still ship it if we needed to ship it from another location but, but again it, it's it's all about your data like even even at the highest level of service now it's all about tables and data that's really what it just is it's just it pretties up the the tables and data for you to build out all of those various relationships but you know if you have your your locations loaded into service now and you have your users loaded into service now and your assets loaded into service now then that can tell you like where your technicians are located where your assets are located where your users are located and and I think that that plays a part of it is people are wanting to see where their stuff is during this COVID time so that they can reduce human interaction. And, and again, touching on the financial sides of that, too, there's a lot of wasteful spend that can be done in the asset management space because things get lost. Just again, and I hate to keep just bringing up ServiceNow specifically, but, you know, ServiceNow has discovery built in to find these configuration items that are out on the network. So anything that's plugged in while discovery is running and connected to the network, you know, they'll be able to find it. It's a little bit different, though, looking at remote work with VPN. Obviously, that might help find out, you know, who's connected and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that's where it becomes a little bit more of the users that are the technicians, let's say, responsibility to make sure that things are, are being updated. Um, and that could also come through, you know, workflow automation, too. But they want to know where their equipment is and they want to stop the, the bleeding. And it seems like asset management is the, the first place to look to see that things are being done correctly and we're not just buying things willy-nilly whether it's software or hardware so it's adding you know it's adding value across so many different pieces of the, of the business um you know i, I know when we right. first spoke you were uh, and i was inspired about you talking about the client journey um i'm sure yeah. our listeners would love to hear more about you know the quote-unquote client journey that you're so passionate about can you sort of dig a little bit deeper into that for us and i i think the key is partnership um, whether it's a Corio or some other ServiceNow partner or other vendor partner that maybe you're using, partnership is, is the biggest piece of that. Because I, I found that even when I was not a consultant, that if I had somebody that I could partner with, then I knew that I could A, trust them to have my back, and I could trust them to be open and honest with me. And, and I think that's really, really, really important because there are far too many times where I've experienced it on both sides of the coin where you get a vendor in and they just do what you tell them to do. You know, hey, we need this thing set up and they just do it. But you want a partner who's who's really going to partner with you and is going to push back and give you some options and be able to explain to you why this is a better way to go. I think that's really, really key because I've seen, again, far too many times myself and other people just get pigeonholed into solutions or pigeonholed into answers or a frame of thought that that isn't correct. I would rather somebody be open and honest with me and tell me what I'm doing and and how I'm doing it is wrong. And I, I think that's a tough sell sometimes, but I think that's really important. And I think the other piece of that too is collaboration. Collaborating with with your customers or with your partner, you know, running these ideas by them, showing them what you're doing and where you're trying to go is also as equally important because if I'm your consultant, then I can help you prepare to go from point A to point B. So, for example, like, you know, as part of partnership and collaboration, I think I used this the tree analogy with you when we were talking uh, a week or so ago. You know, a, a lot of times you, you see the tree like we're going on this journey and you might just see this tree on our path. But, you know, there's more to it than just like, hey, here's this tree or, hey, here's asset management. Right. That tree does a little bit more than just stand there and provide us shade or look really pretty. You know, it, it's basically creating oxygen for us. Right. So 
that's where it's our job as as a partner to be able to show you those those key things, right? It's not just asset management. It's not just service now. It does more than that. Here's what it really does. But I think that it has to be done in doses based on your maturity level. And it could be, you know, your data maturity or your process maturity. And I suppose, uh, you know, that that that's a, a conversation that needs to be a flowing conversation. That that shouldn't just be like a, a you reporting on what it can do. It needs to be a, a good fact find around you understanding what that needs to what it needs to look like for you to then best advise. And I think it's a, it's interesting uh, how partnership needs sometimes gets lost in the weeds. It's used a lot these days, but it should be kind of like a full circle of a conversation. Right. Yeah. So if we're walking down that path, we're going to see the weeds. And trust me, we're going to get into the weeds once we start talking and getting further into the conversations about what you're really trying to do. And I think another key thing, too, that I want to remind people is that don't be afraid to not have an answer. Don't be afraid that you have to know everything because you're not. And that that's on, again, both sides of the coin. You know, as consultants, I'm not going to have every single answer, but I'm going to do my due diligence to get you an answer. And, and as, as my customer, I don't expect you to, to know everything either, but I, I would expect that, you know, where to get those answers again, so that we can build that partnership because we want to have those conversations. We want to know where you are, where you're going and, and what your plans are for future state. Because at the end of the day, as I'm developing something, it's really helpful for me to be able to, to make it scalable and maintainable for the future. And so if I'm one of those developers that just sits there and just does what you tell me to do, that's where you start to kind of get pigeonholed into that particular solution. And it's really hard to get out of that. And that's where that partnership and collaboration, I think, is is really key to the success for both sides. Nice. And that's probably a nice segue, actually, onto my next question of like, what advice do you give to your clients um, at the beginning <laughs> yeah. stages? So it's kind of like we planned that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I think probably the the biggest point I can make is it is really, really important to listen to your users. Okay. So if you are the user, obviously listen to yourself. But if you're a stakeholder or you're the manager of a team, listen to your employees and listen to your users. You know, I've mentioned being pigeonholed. I don't want you to get pigeonholed into a particular solution because this is what you think you need. Um, listen to your users, listen to your stakeholders and really try to understand what they want and what they need. Because again, that that opens up that conversation for scalability and maintainability. The, the next thing that, that, the next piece of advice I usually give my clients and my customers is continuous improvement is not a bad thing. Don't be afraid to go back and revisit something that you've already been in. And, and I've done a lot of that more recently with COVID. There's all these opportunities to look at how things were how things are how things are going to be or potentially will be and and continuous improvement is a really big piece of that i i think the next thing that comes to mind is mvp or minimum viable product that that is another key piece of advice i give people and the reason why i say that is because if we don't have all the answers today with how something could or should be working but we know without a doubt that this these requirements are absolutely needed for this thing to work let's leverage that let's push forward and move forward with that but let's also continue the conversations so that we can leverage something i call a fast follow and you could just call it an enhancement or whatever but the reason why i call it a fast follow is because i want to try to get the minimum viable product out that this that this group or these people really need so that they can be more efficient with their job 
<clears throat> but I want to keep those conversations going so that if there are some other things that they are really needing or wanting, but they just aren't quite there yet, we can follow quickly behind that release with some of those other key points to help kind of take it to the next level. Um, and I think that also lends itself to looking ahead, right? So we have our minimum viable product that does exactly what we need it to do, bare bones minimum. You know, we can leverage fast follows to quickly enhance that thing that we just did, right? But that look ahead is really important because that's what's going to help us say, okay, here are other, other areas of opportunity. And a lot of that just comes out organically in our conversations anyway. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, what's the next step? What are you guys thinking about next for this thing? You know, where do you see this going? And, and I think the biggest part of all that when we talk about these things is the importance of data, because especially in service now, data is really, really, really important. The reason for that, I would say, is because of the ability to perform a lot of automated tasks. You know, if the data is not right or the data is, you know, let's say outdated for that matter and is not being maintained, then tickets could be routing to the wrong groups, which could cause some confusion. And it may not just be data for a configuration item or an asset. It could be even just knowledge base articles, right? Um, but all of that is really, really important and, and will lead to the success of, of your implementation, but also to, to your organization as well. And, and you know, um, and there's a lot there. And I think there's some really good key points. And we'll, we'll make sure we, we include those in the comments when we post this. It's so, you know, obviously, that's some great client advice. You know, during the pandemic, we, we talked about there's probably some specific advice you were sort of speaking to your customers about. Are there any kind of snippets there you'd like to sort of enhance on about pre and post COVID? I think it kind of comes back and lends itself to continuous improvement. Uh -huh. But don't be afraid to take a step back. I think that there are a lot of cases where we have this, I don't know that I want to call it like an expectation of service, but we have, let's say, we'll call them service offerings that maybe post-COVID or current COVID don't really lend itself to to the current state that we're in with remote work. Um, so I think that, that, that taking a step back, looking at what your, your current catalog looks like for your service offerings, I think that's a really good point to hold there because you know, whether it be software or it be hardware, do we have it readily available for our users to request additional hardware to work from home? Or do we make it readily available for our users to request software installations for things that they need to work from home, such as, you know, like Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft Teams, right? Do they have those things? Or is there additional software or additional access that they may need? And, and as part of that too, I've, I've been having some of my clients take the time to reset as part of, again, continuous improvement. I think that's also been really important to reset and take a look at what are the things that we're really doing right now and how, how can that benefit us right now in this, in this time of the pandemic? But I also think that this resetting allows us to say, okay, here's where we are in the pandemic right now. How do we expect these things to change? And not only can, can we learn from this and how can we learn from it and what can we learn from it, but what is the future really going to look like for us? Like, are we looking at the right things right now? If we talk roadmap, does our roadmap align to what we really should be doing? And I think that reset has been really, really important and, and has paid dividends because now our focus is, is back to the things that we really should be focusing on, again, just as part of, you know, continuous improvement. And I suppose so, it's about being able to be vulnerable with those kind of conversations as well, right? Because I'm sure there's stuff that comes out of that that <laughs> you th you think, you know, should have, they, they should maybe already have in place. It's okay to say you haven't, and that helps you get to the end goal together. It's about a partnership again, isn't it? 
Yeah, it really is. And and I think that's it too. A former manager of mine used to say that he would open the kimono, you know, he opened the robe and he would have like <laughs> he would have these moments of like vulnerability and it, and it took me a while to really understand what that meant. But I think that it's okay to be vulnerable. And I feel like it's almost key to be vulnerable a little bit because you, you don't want to be, you know, sweeping things under the rug, right? You want to make sure it's actually swept up and it's done right. And if we can do it right the first time, then let's, let's do it right the first time. You know, as part of all that too, I think that it's important to take ownership I think that there are too many processes and procedures that they kind of get lost by the wayside. And I feel like, especially now, just looking at ServiceNow and I look at catalog items, again, specific to hardware and software and access requests. And I think that if you know what needs to be done, if you can take ownership of those things and start working to make those things happen, I think that's going to be a good benefit to you and your organization. And I don't think that just is specific to ServiceNow or, you know, much less our conversation, just overall, right? I think that we should probably just always be trying to take ownership and trying to make things better. Nice. And, you know, talk, so if we look at your career, um, you know, when we first spoke, you kind of moved from a, a very, very specialist asset management background and you're now sort of a lead lead consultant. Um, I'd love to know. I suppose a little bit about that journey. We've talked in our previous conversations about maybe how you've done some rebranding or even branding of yourself and maybe just some closing kind of top tips or, you know, if you want to discuss any tipping points in your career, that'd be great to share with our listeners because I'm sure there are people on a very similar journey. I, you know, it, it's funny because I don't know that my journey is as weird as maybe I initially had thought it was, but maybe it is. Um, but, you know, we'll soon find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll soon, we'll soon find out. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I initially started out on just my ServiceNow journey working with asset management. You know, as part of that, it was using ServiceNow to track all of our assets, create reporting, you know, the who, what, when, why, where, how much. And, and it quickly developed into like, hey, we're going to need you to to take on some of these development efforts, you know, in ServiceNow to support the things that you're doing. Like, we want to get you the training. We want to enable you to do these things. You know, but, you know, we'll be here to help you. You know, our, our ServiceNow team was was there to help us. And, and I thought that was really cool. And I was all about it. By this by this point, I, I was already, like, swimming in the ServiceNow pool. I was, like, loving every minute of it. Once I had, like, my aha moment that my clients or customers have probably heard me say before, like, I was in it to win it. And, and so that was a really cool step for me because I already wanted to do that. I just didn't know how to, to really get into it. So... You know, I started out as just an asset manager and, and through my, you know, all of my asset management work, um, you know, there there comes this need for somebody to help do the development for that within ServiceNow at the organization I was in. And so I kind of took that and ran with it. And the more and more I was going through these experiences, I thought, you know, there's other people that are having the same experience. You know, how, how can I help them? And the opportunity to Corio. To, to come to a choreo came out, literally out of nowhere. I, I wasn't looking. I really enjoyed what I did. Um, but I thought, you know, here's this door that's opening. You know, I, I may not have been looking for this open door, but you know what? I'm I'm going to take a risk here and and see how this pans out. I think I can do this. And I, I think I would have a lot of fun doing this. And, and I think I could really help people. And, and so I think that's kind of how I got to where I am, I guess, was just sort of that like aha moment. Like this is how ServiceNow works. You know, now that I know how this works and now that I'm developing it and know how the back end works and how to make it do things, you know, how can I share share my experiences and try to help other people? And did you and, and how was that kind of coming into the consulting world? Did Was there any 
sort of key things because it is different right it's different worlds it is different and but what i found though is while it's different it's kind of not so much different like if you look at it as consultants we're paid to come in and consult you on how to do things but you know looking back there's no reason why i could not have been consulting people in my own organization then so yeah. it's it's more of like you're paying for us for specialty like assistance almost when you when you reach out and have a, a partner or consultants that you work with but i th- i think that that onus could really be on everybody to to be their own consultants within their own organizations and there there shouldn't be anything holding them back and i think that that's a lot of times too where we see some staleness within organizations as people aren't taking ownership right mm-hmm. take ownership if you if you work in a particular process area you know own that don't just don't you know sit there you know nine to five and do the same thing take take some opportunities to make things better for yourself speak up and take ownership and, and that's actually kind of why i did rebrand myself um on social networking is because there there are far too many opportunities where i feel like i should be maybe further enabling not just my customers and my clients but other people as well and i think this comes back to just like this mentorship and collaboration piece that that's in our culture at Acorio. And I thought, you know, if I can if I can try to align myself and find myself some ServiceNow folks out there that are like minded, maybe there's an opportunity here for us to to try to collaborate in some way, shape or form. And it doesn't have to be podcasts. It doesn't have to be we start our own website or our own consulting company or anything like that. But just, you know, a, a more relaxed environment where we can talk openly about things that we're running into. And and maybe that leads us to understand more of what our customers are running into. Or maybe you are a customer that's connected with me on social networking. So I thought, you know, I, I started this little uh, YouTube series called Did You Know, Did You Care? It's like no longer than a minute for each each little video. And I just try to share a quick tidbit about something dealing with ServiceNow that maybe you just weren't aware you could do. You know, it could range from a a number of different topics, but the idea is that I wanted to try to find like what other people were doing and how I could better enable my my clients and my customers as well as myself, right? To see what's out there. That's continuous improvement for myself, right? Mm -hmm. So, because I don't know what's out there if I don't look. So I I think that that's proven to to be a benefit too. Um, Because here we are today, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So it sounds like a lot of it's about courage. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, I think it is too, right? And allowing yourself to be vulnerable and knowing when you're wrong and admitting when you're wrong and allowing people to tell you you're wrong and listening to why, like why they think that you're wrong, but also not being afraid to speak up and, and taking taking ownership. I look back at my career and I think, you know, I've, I've taken very little risk and it's had low reward. But when I look back at that and I look back at how I came to a choreo, that was high risk and high reward. And and honestly, I, I hope it translates that, you know, this is something I really am excited about. I really am passionate about it. I'm not just, you know, saying stuff to say stuff like maybe some people do. I, I have a blast doing what I do every single day. I love talking about it because at the end of the day, I know that if I if I can help somebody else, then it's also going to better me in some way. So, you know, I think that it still lends its structure to that like mentorship piece. But, you know, as a mentor, you know, you can't be afraid to be shown up by your mentees. Like, that's what you strive for, right? <laughs> so if I can if I can help my client to the point where they're like, we really don't need you anymore, you know, yeah, that stinks. I don't have that relationship anymore. Maybe we don't have that income. But, like, what a trip, right? How cool yeah. would that be? 
you know, you've done an amazing job if you, uh, right. you know, if you and, and, and it's interesting when you talk about mentorship, right? It's I think it's sometimes you the the, the mentor is the mentee and vice versa, you know, during yeah. most conversations. So, yeah, look, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think you can be scared of what could or maybe will happen. You know, like I said, if you if you come to a solution, if that's the case and that's what the client or the person needs, then you've done a good job in getting them there. And right. we've all got to be cool with that. Yeah, and I just think that that would be like the coolest thing, you know, was, and, and I've seen that too. Like I, again, collaborate with my clients and my customers, right? And there's stuff that I don't hear any questions about certain things anymore. And, you know, I'll, I'll hear other things, but it's like we've kind of gone from this level of engagement and collaboration and partnership up to this next level to where we're now talking about things that are much more in depth. Right. So I've kind of like enabled them to to answer some of their own questions or enabled them to maybe find other ways to research something or learn about something. It's just, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. Awesome. No, it's brilliant. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, I was going to ask you about, you know, what, um, what advice would you give to your, your younger self, but I'm sure courage, that seems like a theme. Is there uh, maybe one or two other tidbits you'd like to sort of leave with our listeners or do you think we've covered everything? You know, I would say don't, don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. You know, people say that all the time. Oh, no question stupid. No, really, like, don't be afraid to ask a question because I've, I've also seen this too. You know, you're having a conversation with somebody and, you know, maybe it's a word that they don't recognize. And, you know, obviously face-to-face, sometimes you can see their reactions, but over the phone, you can't see that as much. But if I say a word that maybe you don't understand, I'd much rather you ask me what that word means so that I know you know, I can answer that for you and help you, right? That's that's the whole point is working together. But I also think that by not asking questions, you might be doing yourself a disservice. You know, even if it's, well, is there a better way to do this? You know, or, you know, what do you think about this? Or how do I do this? You know, it could be the silliest little thing that maybe you think is silly, but, you know, maybe I don't think it's that silly, right? It could be something that maybe they, you're used to doing every day that you just forgot how to do it. Don't be afraid to ask. And you know, it'd be and surprising I, how many other people in the room will breathe a sigh of relief because you asked the question that they were <laughs> too scared to. So uh, yeah, uh, I, right. I've noticed that a few times. Yeah, right. So does that come back to courage, I guess, maybe? You know, maybe. just be, be, be courageous. Be, be, be yourself. Yeah, be bold. Be brave. You know, there's I don't know that there's enough of that today. People are maybe too content with things just kind of going the same old, same old. But yeah, be creative. Stretch your mind. And um, thanks very much for taking us on that journey with you, um, Ryan, or sorry, Lord Gillespie. Um, so look, listeners, I, I, I urge everyone to check out Did You Know, Did You Care? Um, so we'll um, we love everyone to check that out. And uh, uh, Ryan, thank you very much for your time. It's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. AI Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. 
For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.